We are talking about friends. First week, we talked about Nathan. Nathan lovingly and firmly confronted King David when David had gone in the wrong direction. We need a Nathan in our lives when we go in the wrong direction or engage in sin. Uh, We have a tendency to get mad at those people. Anybody that confronts me, I, I try to avoid at all costs punching them out. But uh, I, I, make it, I make it my point to get around and be sure and malign their character. Oh, anyway. <clears throat> and then last week we talked about Barnabas. Barnabas is an amazing encourager. We need encouragers. Uh, they keep us going in spite of our difficulty. So we need a Nathan, we need a Barnabas. And today we're going to look at another one. You need a Silas in your life. Someone who will stay with you, stand with you, worship with you when the pressure is on. Uh, when, the, when the primitive church was started, uh, it actually started when Jesus died. It uh, became very visible a few weeks later on the day of Pentecost. And... Uh, They were powerful, they were wonderful, they were making serious inroads into society, and they encountered serious persecution. The first persecution came from the Jewish religious leaders who were losing their influence there in Jerusalem. Later, the Romans, uh, who persecuted both the Jews and the Christians, picked up uh, that, and actually the, the Jews and the Christians had to sort of stand together in many, many cases in the first century... And uh, it, was, it was getting to be a tough time. Uh, Paul and Silas were on their way. They were in the city of Philippi, and they encountered an unusual girl. She was demon-possessed and used her dem- demonic power to predict the future. She was also a slave, so her owners got the profit that people paid for her to uh, predict their future. Apparently, there was a lot of money involved. Acts 16, 17 said, This girl followed Paul and the rest of us shouting, These men are servants of the Most High God who are telling you the way to be saved. (laughs) This is so cool. (laughs) She was telling the truth. And it was driving them nuts. How, How would it be if uh, one of you decided to follow me and after the benediction today, you would stand across from me in the doorway shouting, this is our pastor and he's going to tell you how to be saved. Listen to him. And when I went out to my car, you followed me all the way out there shouting. And when I went to lunch, you followed me there and stood nearby shouting that all through the meal. And when I went to get gas, you were standing over there shouting, etc. That might be a good use of the CCW business. Who knows? Did you get that? Some of you. You know, it's just like that would just drive you crazy. Well, Paul put up with that for many days. I don't know what many days means. It's probably a month or two. And finally, he has enough. He turns around, casts the demon out of the girl, It leaves immediately, 
The owners of the girl are not happy. Their way of making money with her has, has just evaporated. This, this significant stream of revenue dried up instantly. So they drag Paul and Silas before the authorities and make uh, false accusations against them. And uh, back in Acts 16, the, verse 22, the crowd joined in the attack against Paul and Silas, and the magistrates ordered them to be stripped and beaten. After they had been severely flogged, they were thrown into prison, and the jailer was commanded to guard them carefully. Upon receiving such orders, he put them in the inner cell and fastened their feet in the stocks. That's pretty descriptive. But let me just, let me just restate part of that. The jailer got the word. These guys get loose, you're dead. That was the word. We know that from later in the story. So he took them into the inner cell, chained them together, put their feet in stocks, and it, you know, he just, he, he settled that deal. They're linked together physically. And they're linked to these heavy wooden stocks that you can't walk because you can't move your feet like that. And uh, no doubt, uh, it was extremely uncomfortable. They had, in Oklahoma, we would say they had the tar beaten out of them. Or maybe we would say had the tar beat out of them because you don't want to worry about grammatical uh, structure if, unless it's just really handy. Any, any other Okies here? <laughs> I just insulted us. <laughs> but I'll say to you, like I say to me, just get over it. You know that's where you grew up, and you know that, that uh, conjugating verbs was not high on the priorities of, of a lot of our wonderful, wonderful fellow Okies. Um, and that, of course, was not the, that's not the only part of the country where they don't rate that very highly, I have noticed. But anyway, <clears throat> so this, uh, these people now are... They, they are a mess uh, physically. They are chained together. Their feet are in stocks. They are in the inner, inner cell. And uh, here is an interesting observation. Before trouble came, they had already been chained together, if you will. They had already... Connected When trouble came, when the pressure was on, they were already connected. They were already in relationship. And um, we'll see in just a moment, Paul had connected himself to the right guy, Silas. Silas was connected to the right guy, Paul. Let me just ask this. To whom are you chained? If I pass the microphone around this morning, I, I think we might... We might get some confessions like, I changed myself to the wrong person in marriage. It's cost me years of hurt and heartache. I changed myself to the wrong person in a relationship. I would do anything to be able to turn the clock back. I changed myself to the wrong person in business. It cost me so much time and money and worry. I changed myself to the wrong friend. I didn't learn the truth about them until it was too late. We've all heard it many times. I thought they were my friends, but when I lost my money, they were nowhere to be found. 
When my marriage fell apart, all of my friends were nowhere to be found. I needed someone so badly. Why wasn't someone there for me? When I was struggling the worst, I was all alone. Where are people when you need them? So we come to the first point, and that is attach yourself to the right people before trouble comes. You have to build the right kind of relationships in the good times in order to have the kind of relationships that will sustain you in the hard times. It was not, there was not time after having the tar beaten out of them to make good friends. It was already done. Paul and Silas were already supporting each other. And here is, here is what I want you to get on number two. When the pressure is on, when hard times come, you don't get to choose then who you will want to be chained to. When the pressure is on, you find out if you chained yourself to the right people. I love that. Is that, <laughs> oh my goodness. Paul had attached himself to the right person, Silas. Now they were physically chained together after being beaten. And it was midnight. Their fate was uncertain. Uh, there, there was no hope of escape. I think at this moment, Paul was probably glad Silas was the guy on the other end of that chain. Because Silas didn't crumble under the pressure. Think about it. If Silas had been crying, Paul would have spent difficult hours counseling. If Silas had been angry, Paul would have spent that night silent. If Silas had been accusing, Paul would have spent the night defending. If Silas had been whining and complaining, Paul would have spent that night regretting that he ever met him. But none of that happened. Paul had not attached himself to a whiner, a complainer, an accuser, or an angry person. Paul chose the right kind of friend. And so now we can look at what happens. About midnight, Paul and Silas were praying and singing hymns to God. And the other prisoners were listening to them. These guys have always impressed me. you got to love them. Um... They've been falsely accused. They've been beaten, thrown in jail, put in chains. They didn't deserve to be there. It wasn't fair. And you wouldn't blame Paul and Silas if this verse said, about midnight, Paul and Silas were crying. About midnight, Paul and Silas were in great pain. About midnight, Paul and Silas were offended because no one from the church called to check on them. About midnight, Paul and Silas started yelling at the jailers, accusing them of having no respect for Christians. And if they hadn't been in stocks, they'd have slapped a picket on that jail. About midnight, Paul and Silas became very angry at God. But no, that's not what it says. It says about midnight, that's the darkest hour, most desperate moment of their lives so far. Under incredible, extreme pressure, what were Paul and Silas doing? They were praying and singing hymns of praise to God. What a, what a powerful example. I'd like to try that sometime. 
Or at least I'd like to see you try that sometime. That is just over-the-top, good, good, spirit-led living. These guys were true Pentecostals. Paul and Silas refused to allow circumstances to affect their faith, number three. No circumstances were going to take them out of the game. It is. It must be that way, dear one, because circumstances that are difficult are going to come to you. I thought everything was going to be great when I got saved. Listen, if you get saved and have a cardiac arrest and we have this funeral for you, everything's going to be great. If you don't die, you're going to go through some tough times. Not because God wants to squeeze you or hurt you. Life squeezes you and hurts you. We, when we get in trouble, we want to say, where was God? Oh, I didn't realize he was lost. You know, check with him. He's probably right where you left him. Uh, <clears throat> life will go back to Oklahoma with me. Life will beat the tar out of you. And when it does, this example is just over the top. Can you imagine, number four, how much uh, difficulty this would have been for Paul if he were alone? It would have just, it would have just been over the top difficult for him. And he'd been there by himself. You need a Silas in your life. You need someone who, when the pressure is most intense, will join you in what seems irrational, unreasonable, and certainly unexpected. You need a Silas to worship with you in the darkest moments of your life. You need to be attached to someone who won't gripe, complain, whine, gossip, but instead will worship with you and believe with you for God to intervene. When the pressure is on, you want someone who is filled with the right stuff, which is faith, hope, trust in God. And get the message. You better attach yourself to them now before the pressure is on. I think we ought to ask, how do you find someone like that? Uh, Jesus has ascended to heaven. <clears throat> Silas has, has died and gone to heaven. How do you find a Silas? Well, first of all, you watch. Watch their lives. You watch how they respond to trouble and conflict. Uh, Watch how they respond when they don't get their way. Watch how they respond when somebody confronts them like a Nathan. Do they act wise like the scripture says a, a wise man welcomes the rebuke? Or do they run and start to build up their team to oppose the one who confronted them? Anybody can be a great person, a wonderful Christian when things are going well. Everybody likes you, you have plenty of money, you're healthy, life is smooth. Sign me up for that. And let me take you with me, yes? Except (laughs) it doesn't stay. What about when your critics are vocal, your pockets are empty, 
You aren't feeling your best. The road is rough. What will you be like then? How will you handle the biggest crises of life? What will be revealed about you when the pressure is on? I've seen a lot of reactions. Some of them even in other people besides myself. Under, under pressure, people become critical and combative. Others withdraw into depression. Some fight, some run, some shut down. And in some, pressure reveals the strength of their character and the depth of their faith in God. And you can't tell on the outside that anything is going on against them anywhere in any way. Watch those kind of people try to get close to them. They are the real deal. If you want to know about someone, watch them in their worst moments when they're under intense pressure. Under pressure, we drop our fronts, who we really are, and what we really believe is revealed. Pressure does not create character. Some have said that it doesn't. Pressure reveals character. Other people are watching to see how you react to difficulty. In 2 Corinthians, the 10th chapter, we read, For though we live in the world, we do not wage war as the world does. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. It is, it is an, a very good plan when you're in trouble to say to yourself, or if you're in, a, in trouble with a group of people and the pressure's on, this is a test. And that's kind of a parallel idea to, to this um, Corinthian passage here. Um, we live in a world that can be seen in its physical, and the realities of the physical world are what we hold as the ultimate reality. They're not, of course, the spirit world is the ultimate reality, but, but it seems like that. And if we have the power of God working in us when the physical realities begin to hammer us, what do we get? We get a test. This is a test. Or to say it another way, this is an attack of the enemy, and we are going to have to start using the weapons of our warfare, which are spiritual. I'd much rather, at least my flesh, would much rather slap a picket on something I didn't like or, uh, you know, build up my little team around me that, that thinks that the person that put pressure on me or the group that put pressure on me are just all uh, probably psychopathic criminals, but if they're not all that way, the leadership is blah, blah, blah. Now, what about this? What do we do? No, we do not wage war as the world does. The world slaps a picket. We fight in the prayer closet. We have divine power. I, I have a, a little prayer project with a, one of the families in our church, and, I, and I'm not sure that any of you would know about this, uh, and it just came up 
oh, a month or two ago, and it's the coolest thing because this person that's very dear to them and very close to them and is in no way a person of faith, no way, just no. The Lord's been messing with this person. And I got this, one of the members of, the, of our family was in another state and was watching some stuff go on and called me and said, pray with me. And I was like, yes. Because I've been aware of that situation. And it hasn't broken through yet. But it, it's <laughs> the weapons of our warfare, warfare. And of course, one of the things I had to say was, be very, very careful of what you say. Let the Holy Spirit do this. You know, kind of, in other words, shut up. <laughs> I didn't say that. I don't. Well, this person's a dear friend, and I probably could get by with that. But anyway, you know, it's just keep your mouth shut. Let's, let's stay down with the Lord. Get down in the prayer closet. Spend some extra time. This person doesn't have a chance. He's not tougher than the spirit that created the universe. The weapons of our warfare do not have to be visible. You know? They don't have to be. We have the real deal power. Doesn't your flesh hate that? Please let me just malign them a little bit, God. But if you do, you sin, and you have to go back to the people that you spoke to when you should have kept your mouth shut, and you have to apologize to them, you have to apologize to the Lord, and if the person that you maligned and found out about it, you have to go back and apologize to them. If they didn't find out about it, don't you dare go and say, I can't stand your guts. Please forgive me for feeling that way. If you do that, I'm going to hurt you. I'm going to go pray for you. (laughs) I'm sorry. Anyway, did you follow that? Don't ever do that. That stinks. Now, if they found out about your criticism, then you go and you humble yourself and you apologize and ask for forgiveness. But don't go to them because that's you're, it's just passive aggressive. You're just being a jerk. You just want to hurt them. You didn't know I knew you that well, did you? And so what we do is go to the people to whom we spoke and made the critical remarks about this other person. We, we, we say, I'm so sorry. I was wrong. I should never have done that. And, and I, I'm so, please forgive me. And they're going to say, no, but you were right. And I love that because you wouldn't have gone to somebody that was higher than you. They're the same level as you. And they want you to build up this, this team and let's, let's oppose this awful person or this awful group or whatever it is. And when they say, no, you were right. If, you're, if you are now getting right, you are going to respond something like this. Pay close attention. This can save your neck and elevate your friendships into the spirit. When they say that, you need to say, no, I was wrong. And you're as wrong as I was. And now I've, I've not only messed up my own heart with sin, I've messed up you If that person is wrong, they're wrong. But you and I have to be right. You see, church, you can't be right when you're wrong. I don't care if the whole world is wrong. 
If you're wrong, you're wrong, and you're going to stand before God without the whole world or without that nemesis in your life. You're going to stand there all by your little self, and it's going to be you and the one who loves so much and so purely that he gave his one and only son so he could save you. So don't play stupid games. The weapons of our warfare are not according to this world. They are not according to the rules of sociology. They are in the spirit and our power is on our face in prayer. Our power is in humbling ourselves. And if we have sinned, going and making it right with the person that we, in this case, that we uh, gossiped to, that's where our power is. And people who live like that, when trouble comes, it's like, I'm going to have to go pray some more. That's what Paul and Silas were doing. Man, they hurt like crazy. So they said, we got to pray and we got to worship. We got to get some help here. You, you, you are getting this. Okay. Because this, is, this can save our neck, church. Oh, man, I love this. This is so powerful. Now, while these people were singing hymns and praying, and the, uh, the other prisoners were listening closely, suddenly there was such a violent earthquake that the foundations of the prison were shaken. At once, all the prison doors flew open. Everybody's chains came loose. <laughs> I love that. Wow, you talk about the weapons of our warfare not being physical, but if they need to break over into the physical, God is able and will do it. He will do it. The prison's foundations were shaken. All the chains, all the stocks, every door just were nullified. It was they did no power here. The jailer woke up. We saw the prison doors open. Threw his, he drew his sword. Here's how he, he knew that if he let these people get loose, he was dead. They had already told him that. He was about to kill himself because he thought the prisoners had escaped. But Paul, don't harm yourself. We're all here. The jailer got Got his flashlight, rushed in, fell trembling before Paul and Silas, then brought them out and says, Sirs, what must I do to be saved? Now, before I go any further there with verse 31, let me stop and say this. We have to have a, a friend. Some of our circumstances, and I think you can get by, and I think I told you this the other day, I believe there will be one time in your life where you may have some extended days, maybe weeks, possibly run into months where you, where you feel totally alone. And I think that is the will of God once, maybe in your life, and he can do it any way he wants to. I don't want to put that, I sure can't get him in that box, but, but he put us together. There's so much about together in the New Testament, and he needs to find out if we're going to follow him if we're not together. Okay, if you're just all by yourself, going to follow the Lord, yes. You get, I think we'll probably get that test. I did, and, and just because I did doesn't mean that you will have to, but don't be surprised. However, get this friend, get this Silas. How do you do that? Well, are you in a, in a life group? Are you in a Sunday school class? 
Don't come in late and leave early and say we're an unfriendly bunch and I can't make any friends there. That makes me want to slap something on you, a picket or whatever. And, uh, and if we're unfriendly, we're unfriendly. Church, don't be unfriendly. Love people. Don't let anybody get away unless, but some people are hard to catch. So if you do that to us, uh, I mean, you can, you can say what you want to say. But uh, you need us or someone among us or somewhere to have this kind of a friend because if you're not in a tough spot now, you will be before long. And that makes me a carrier of good news, doesn't it? But you know that's true. So let's do the smart thing now. And, of course, the first thing to do is to make sure that you're really tight with Jesus and that he is indeed the friend and that he will be the Nathan if you need him to be to confront you. He will be the Barnabas if you need him to be to encourage you. He will be the Silas to stick with you in the hard times. He will be those things. But he intends almost all the time to do it through somebody as flawed as you are in their Christian walk but they've got that thing that you need. Do you get it? Okay, let's go, let's go to this last part now. Paul says to this guy, verse 31, Believe in the Lord Jesus and you will be saved, you and your household. That is one of the things, and I felt like the Lord might be saying that for us this morning. Now, we have among us one of our uh, members of our family, our congregation, and she's actually been away for a number of years, but she's going to minister to us now on, on whatever the Lord lays on her heart. But I think part of the thing that the Spirit is saying this morning is that if you have a lost one that is, and it's like my my friends here in the congregation that shared with me this prayer need, if you have someone that's that's really kind of outstanding and they've either started to break or there's not any sign of a break. <laughs> uh, see if that's what the Lord wants you to pray about this morning, because the weapons of our warfare are not carnal. And we are able in this room to mess with somebody all the way across town or the nation or the world, whatever. We can mess with them because the Holy Spirit is everywhere present. Christy Poppin, come and Come and minister to us, please.